So in this chapter, we are going to outline our fundamental philosophy towards work ethic for basketball. We've cut through a lot of the misconceptions and illusions, and now it's time to really dig deep into this material. So there's really three core principles here in our philosophy. And the first one is consistency over perfection. Okay, consistency over perfection. And I shared this before in, in one of our talks called The Long Game, and I wanna share this here now as well, because it's really, really relevant. So during my sixth grade season, uh, I was coming out of my sixth grade, going into seventh grade. And I ended that season kind of uh, in a disappointment on the end of the bench on my AAU team, watching my teammates play in big games and thinking to myself, like, I am going to come back next year and destroy everybody. And so <laughs> I get so caught up in having the perfect training program that Every day I am like designing and tweaking and making alterations to the training process that I want. I, I want it to be absolutely perfect so I can get the best result possible. And I still remember one day uh, during this summer, uh, I think it was actually in the spring, so early on in the off season, I head to the court and I start warming up for this perfect workout that I've designed. And suddenly an idea comes to mind and I say like, oh, wouldn't it be better if I did it this way? <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm back at home, upstairs in my room, redesigning this perfect training program that I designed for myself. And the one thing I'm not doing is actually training. <laughs> and so an hour later, when I get finished redesigning this training program, I think to myself, you know, it's a little bit late now. I'm, I'm gonna start on this tomorrow. I'll start it tomorrow. Well, tomorrow comes around and next thing you know, I have another idea to how to make this even more perfect. And the one thing that I don't do, even though I'm planning and tweaking and altering my approach, the one thing I'm not doing is actually training. <laughs> and so this goes on in, to varying degrees. I did some training that off season, but for the most part, I didn't do training, the training that I had planned on nearly consistently enough to actually get the result I was after. And the end result is that I was slightly improved the following season, I think, but for the most part, like a lot of that just is due to my body maturing and so on. Um, very little of it was due to the actual training that I did. And so it yielded me almost nothing. It was a roller coaster to nowhere. I got all fired up to do this perfect program and then it kind of crashed and I got a new idea and got all fired up and then it crashed because I got a new idea. And this happens so often with so many players, especially in the online world where today, I mean, this wasn't the case back then certainly, but today there are probably hundreds of training programs you could choose from. There's thousands of videos that you can watch on all kinds of different training methodologies, all different kinds of drills, um, moves that you can master. There's so much information. And for most up and coming players, it is this mess of stuff that they need to take in and try to piece together to create this perfect program because you want it so badly. And that's a good thing. It's fine to want to do it the right way, but <laughs> ultimately, there is no such thing as the perfect training program. The perfect training program, or the closest you can get to perfect, is the one that you're actually going to do consistently. And so in our philosophy, we value to a much greater degree consistency over perfection. And when I actually made the best progress in my career, when I went from nine points per game to 24 points per game in one summer, my standard for success that summer was not 
doing the perfect training in the perfect way and I was going to uh, show up and do every workout exactly perfectly at exactly the right time. No, it was just showing up and doing the work when I said I was going to do it. Some workouts went great. Some didn't go so great. Sometimes my weeks looked a little bit different than others. Sometimes I had to shift stuff around and play with stuff. It changed over time and like I, as I did the training, I learned more about it and kind of removed stuff and then replaced it. But I always showed up and did it. Even if it was imperfect, I did it anyway. That's when I got the best results. And so consistency over perfection is fundamental to this philosophy, okay? So I wanna drive this home. Um, I wanna drive this home with a quick uh, investing analogy. And I, I think I've shared this before, but I'll share it again here. The best investors, the ones who truly get uh, build big, large amounts of wealth over time, general generational wealth, the best investors are those who invest their capital in solid long-term investments and hold on to them for the long term. They're not investors who are trying to cheat the stock market or trying to find like this perfect little diamond in the rough stock. I mean, that happens sometimes, but for the most part, the Warren Buffetts of the world, they are buying stock in really reliable companies that they know are going to grow over long periods of time. And then they're holding them in many cases for decades. It's a long game and they're holding them consistently. They're not um, trying to constantly like uh, <laughs> find these stocks that are gonna explode overnight and buy them low and sell them high. And, and they're not playing this game. They're in it for the long game, okay? So that is the way to approach your training. It's not to like find this perfect training program that's gonna magically transform you overnight. It's to approach it with consistency over a long period of time. That is how you're going to get there. So once again, consistency over perfection. The second fundamental philosophy, and this is where it gets um, maybe a little bit surprising for a lot of players. This is where we take a detour away from what you might be used to. Our second, uh, aspect to this philosophy is discipline over motivation. Now, I kind of hinted at this in chapter number one, but if you look at this concept of discipline over motivation, <laughs> you will find very quickly how poor a source of um, uh, work ethic motivation actually is. If you are relying on motivation to get you to the court and get you doing what you know you need to do, you are going to be on that roller coaster to nowhere. And there's this beautiful quote. Um, I don't have it written down, so this is by memory. And uh, I may get this slightly wrong, but it comes from a writer named Somerset Maugham. And Somerset Maugham said, uh, let's see if I can get this right. He said, I only write when inspiration strikes. I only write when inspiration strikes. Fortunately, it strikes every morning at 9 a.m. sharp. <laughs> so in other words, he strikes his own inspiration by disciplining himself to showing up and doing the work when he said he was going to do it every single day. So it's kind of a play on words and a joke. He's saying he actually doesn't wait for inspiration at all. He sits down and strikes that inspiration himself. In other words, he's valuing discipline over motivation. And if you are, if you, well, I'll put it this way. Motivation is always going to fluctuate. As motivation fluctuates, discipline must remain consistent. So in other words, whether you feel like it or not, whether you feel super inspired to do what you said you were gonna do or not, you do it anyway. And 
we'll, we can um, use like a junk food analogy here really well. If you're relying on motivation, it's sort of like relying on energy drinks and a, a sugar rush to amp up your energy. After you eat a ton of sugar or you drink a Red Bull or whatever, you might get this rush of energy, but it's going to crash. Just like the Tony Robbins participant from chapter one who goes home and a week later they've crashed and they're wondering, where did that feeling go? How do I get it back? They're relying on motivation rather than the discipline to actually show up every single day, like it or not, and do the work. <laughs> so as motivation fluctuates, discipline must remain consistent. And our, in our philosophy, we value discipline over motivation. And there's another way I can put this. Um, don't negotiate with yourself. Don't negotiate with yourself. If you are needing to talk yourself into doing the training that you know you need to do, in other words, motivating yourself if you need a motivational video to get you to the gym, these are all different forms of negotiating, of talking yourself into it. And you might notice, um, well, uh, <laughs> as an example, I've been taking cold showers in the morning every day, just about every day for um, five, six, seven years now, for a, lo a long period of time. To this day, after seven years or however long it's been, there is not a single morning that I want to get in that cold shower. Not a single morning. And every day, these thoughts run through my mind that say, well, maybe you just take a warm shower today. Maybe you don't really need a cold shower. Maybe that, that's going to shock your body. Maybe you don't need to do that. It's already like cold outside here in Canada. We don't need the cold shower. And every morning, I say to my mind, I am not here to have a conversation with you. I am not here to negotiate. I'm not here to listen to your whining. <laughs> when I say we do something, we do it. And so I get into that cold water and yes, it shocks my system for a few seconds and then I get accustomed to it and then it starts to feel good. And I get out of that shower feeling much stronger and much more invigorated and enlivened than I would have if I had just taken that warm shower. And so it's, <laughs> it's a matter of not playing that game with yourself in your mind. When thoughts arise, when you start to say like, hey, um, maybe we don't need to do that workout today. We've been working hard all week. Let's just take a day off. The, the people who truly do great things consistently and do things con great things consistently over long periods of time are those who win those negotiations with themselves. And uh, not just win those negotiations, but refuse to negotiate. When that little voice in your head starts uh, <laughs> chatting you up about what would be a little more comfortable to do, you cut off that negotiation. Discipline remains consistent. Motivation may fluctuate. You may want to do it. You may not want to do it. And that's always going to be the case. Discipline remains consistent. So once again, that second core principle of our philosophy here is discipline over motivation. Now, <laughs> this third core principle um, may be even more surprising and actually might seem contradictory to the discipline and motivation uh, principle. So uh, I'm gonna share this with you and then we'll share actually why these two go together really nicely. So initially you might think these contradict each other. They don't, okay? So the third core principle is that we want to optimize for enjoyment over struggle for enjoyment over struggle. Now, when we were talking about discipline and motivation, we said like you do the work whether you feel like it or not. Sometimes that's a struggle. However, in the bigger picture, 
we optimize our training for enjoyment of the training itself. And <laughs> I have a teacher that once said something, uh, at the time I found it really profound. It really, really clicked for me. It struck me really deeply when he said this. He said that all of the practice, this is a meditation teacher, by the way, So, but this goes for any field. The people who really achieve long-term success and mastery in whatever field that they're in, basketball, meditation, doesn't matter. The people who achieve mastery are those who love the process of the practice itself. That is the singular factor that determines long-term success more than anything else. It is actually how much you enjoy the process of doing the work itself because this is a long road <laughs> with a lot of days and it's gonna seem really boring and really repetitive. And if you really want to achieve mastery, it's a matter of putting one foot in front of the other day after day after day after day. If you are doing training that you hate, stop doing it. There are so many different forms of training that you can take. There are like infinite permutations on training programs that you could use find the training that you actually enjoy. If it's a struggle every single day to do it, number one, you're probably not gonna do it. Number two, if you actually do it, you're gonna be miserable. <laughs> so find training that you love to do, that you love to do. And maybe that this, again, doesn't mean that every single day you absolutely love showing up and you're just thrilled to be there. No, again, motivation fluctuates, discipline must remain consistent, but, you don't have to hate the training. <laughs> you can really find this enjoyable in every master, in every field. I guarantee you, you will not find a single master level practitioner in any field that doesn't deeply love showing up and doing their practice every single day, whatever that practice may be. Kobe Bryant has been asked so many times, and again, as you know, I've studied so many Kobe interviews to gain gather material for these deep game talks and uh, to build that deep game of Kobe Bryant movie we put together. And so I heard Kobe say this over and over and over again, and people would ask him, like, how were you so driven? How did you find a way to make all these sacrifices in your life and not go out partying all the time like everybody else in the NBA was doing, but like to stay in the gym? How did you do it? And Kobe would say the same thing every time. He said, it didn't feel like a sacrifice. There's nothing else I wanted to be doing. If everybody else was going to Vegas to party for a weekend, I didn't want to do it. I didn't enjoy it. I wanted to play basketball. I love the game. And I remember one interview, he said, like, people have a tendency to take that lightly. I love the game. They take it. Um, <laughs> they don't really take in how deeply he means that. And he's like, no, no, no. I love the game. I don't want to do anything else. I'd rather be on the track early in the morning, running wind sprints and then going to the gym and putting up a thousand shots and then going to the weight room and lifting. I'd rather do that than anything else because he loves the process of training. And I guarantee you, there are days that he didn't want to show up. For sure there are days that Kobe Bryant didn't want to show up, that he wasn't leaping out of bed so excited to get after it every single day at 4 a.m. No but he still did it. And over a long period of time, doing the training that he loved to do, mastery was born, mastery of this craft. And so once again, like if you need a, 
motivational talk every single day to make yourself suffer through the training that you tell yourself you have to do, you don't have to do it. You can find forms of training that are enjoyable to you. If there's a certain drill that you absolutely hate, well, find another drill that achieves the same result that you don't hate. <laughs> you don't have to do, like there are things that you need to do. You need to put up a lot of shots. You need to work on your handle. You need to refine a set of moves that you use in games. You need to, most players anyway, need to lift weights in some form. But the way that you work on those fundamental things can be different for every player. You can optimize for enjoyment rather than suffering through things that you don't like to do, all right? So make it feel good. <laughs> make it feel good is another way to put this. And one of the um, one of the ways that, one of the rules that I follow in my life, and I've applied that, it's taken me so many years, <laughs> by the way, to understand this and to actually start to optimize my life for enjoyment over suffering and, and um, struggle, one of the rules that I live by now, I call it the 80% easy rule. And once again, optimizing for enjoyment doesn't mean the enjoyment of sitting on the couch eating Doritos rather than training. No, no, no. It's optimizing your enjoyment of the training. <laughs> so you still have to go and show up. But the rule that I use is 80% easy. It doesn't mean you're going to love absolutely everything, but it should be 80% easy to go to the gym, to do the training that you know you need to do. It doesn't mean that you're not exerting, but mentally you're not like forcing yourself to do it. That last 20%, you might need to push. You might need to put the pedal a little bit closer to the floor and just like grind through that last little bit. But it should only be a 20% grind. It shouldn't be 80, 90, 100% grind like a lot of players do. You don't need to suffer and struggle. You can enjoy it. It can feel good. And if you look at it as, let's make this 80% easy. Yes, I'm exerting, I'm training hard, but I'm enjoying that 80%. And then the last 20%, maybe you like struggle and grind a little bit. But that's the ratio that is going to last over time. If you're just suffering and struggling, <laughs> that is not the way to do it. Okay, and it's just not going to work for you over time. Your enjoyment of the training, and I'll also make this point. This is a, a deeper point. Training that you really love to do, when you really love it, your mind will be so much more present in the moment training. If you're doing training that you hate, your mind is going to wander off and get distracted. And so the results of the training that you really deeply enjoy are going to be so much better because your mind was so much more absorbed in the process of the training itself. You see? So that is our third point here. Enjoyment over struggle. Discipline over motivation and consistency over perfection, okay? That, those three core principles make up our fundamental deep game philosophy towards hard work for basketball. And in our next chapter, in the final chapter, we are going to outline our real, uh, our fundamental template, our foundational template that we build off of for every player. So whenever a player comes through our program, this is the template I recommend following. Once again, and I'm gonna say this again in the next chapter, once we take a break, um, this isn't the only way to train. There are so many ways that you can set this up. However, this is a way that will work for you. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what drills to use, but I will give you a structure 
to build your own training off of so that over time you become um, a much more skillful practitioner of basketball training. So that's what we're gonna do in the next chapter. First, we're gonna take a quick break. If you need to, get a drink of water, stretch up, settle in, come back afterwards, and we will get into it then. Hey, it's Taylor. I hope you enjoyed this clip. And if you'd like to watch the full-length talk, we'll have the title and or link for you in the description so that you can check it out there. And as always, if you'd like to go even deeper, the best place to do that is in our free masterclass over at deepgame.com, which I believe will be the most powerful hour of basketball learning of your life. I hope we see you there.